the Humanity Church podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. I don't know about you, but I have been disappointed lots and lots of times in my life. And recently, I, we had to have this gigantic tree taken out of my backyard, and it was 50 feet tall. No exaggeration. It was like 30 inches in diameter, big pine tree. It had just been damaged too many times. So we just had it. It was either going to be, you know, $2,500 to just trim it badly or $4,000 to take it out. Not money we wanted to spend at all on that. But then as he was trimming it down, I kind of got a thought, and I got excited because I was like, could you leave like nine feet of this and then just let it fall and that I could chop it into pieces and like make stuff out of it and like make slabs and tables and stuff. And, and he was just like, yeah, like he seemed kind of into it. And I'm like, all right. I thought he was going to be like, you're stupid. This is not safe. But he was like, let it fall. And then so I bought a chainsaw. Um, I didn't get a super nice chainsaw because I didn't want to spend a million dollars. And I already felt like my wife didn't want me to do this in the first place. <laughs> so, so it didn't go all the way through the thing. You know, it was a big tree, so I only got like two-thirds of the way through. So then I tried to come at it from the other angle. I never got it quite right. And so I spent weeks. Oh, she's, yeah, she's like months. Come on. And, and I was out there. I'm sweating. I got this chainsaw. I'm sharpening it every, you know, 30 minutes because I'm going through so much wood. I'm covering. I'm literally covering our backyard in snow because there's so much wood chips coming off. And at the end of it, it was horrible. I mean, it was really bad. It's twisted. It's not straight. There's not one piece that looks like any other piece. It's not consistently thick. It's, it looks like, I mean, I could have had better luck just doing it blindfolded, like no joke. And it was a bummer. I mean, I'm kind of glad I did the, did the experience, but now I have like tons of heavy pieces of wood that I don't know what to do with. And so that was like, I'm disappointed in that whole experience, you know? Um, we also... Recently, my wife and I took this really in-depth like personality profile, and I don't know about you, but I am always disappointed in my results, these things. <laughs> and you laugh, but, <laughs> but I, it's like Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, Disc Profile, Strengths Finder, uh, you name it, I've probably done it for a job or for a, you know, a training or something, and I'm always bummed. I'm just like, that's not what I wanted to hear, you know? I wanted to hear, like, and this one was deep. It was like 30 pages or something of like, here's 10 areas and two subcategories of each area and your score. And we had a couple's report. So Katie is going through hers and, and I'm like, you're getting all the good scores. Like, you're high in industriousness. You're high, you know, like all these. And I'm like three, like third percentile. And I'm like, you know, this is not what I wanted to hear. Because I, I, it's not telling me what I want to hear. It's telling me who I am. Whoa. And that's... That was disappointing <laughs> because I wanted it to tell me that I'm a doer, I'm a go-getter, I'm industrious, I'm fastidious, I'm careful, and instead it tells me you're fanciful and artistic. 
and you'll never get anything done if you don't focus. And that hurts because I, I've been a business owner and I viewed myself as the CEO. And, and I was not. <laughs> My wife is the CEO. She should have run the place. But how many of you are disappointed in this room with where you're at right now? How many of you are disappointed with something or someone It just didn't work out or life's just not going the way you want? You feel that disappointment? It sucks. It's not fun. And one of the most difficult things in the world, one of the things I hope I can teach my kids and myself is how to navigate that. How do you get through it? And if you engage in a relationship with God, it's almost worse because now you have somebody to blame. You know, like, like I've been trying to follow you and why does this suck so bad? I've been doing my best and it, this is not fun. And aren't you the miracle worker? Miracles happen when... So where are you? Where are you? God is the God of miracles, by the way. We'll get to that. But we're often, we're often especially disappointed when we're doing everything right. It's especially hard. There's an episode of Simpsons where Bart always gets bad grades, and then he gets this test, and he gets a bad grade, and he's like broken. And they're like, what's the matter? You always get bad grades. And he's like, yeah, but this time I tried. You know that. You know, I mean, that's, it sucks. It hurts. So the overarching theme of scripture when it comes to this is usually called like going through the desert. Like the Israelites went to the desert. Jesus was called into the desert to be tempted for 40 days without food. And scripture has advice (laughs) for how to navigate this. And I firmly believe the overarching message of Scripture, the whole counsel of Scripture, is to have faith anyway. And it is so hard. And that's why I I felt God very strongly this morning to say, slow down. Because a lot of us, when we go through bad stuff, we want to hit that accelerator and go over the speed bump as fast as humanly possible. Maybe you'll make a cool jump and make it onto a TikTok or something. And who cares how much damage you did because you got over the bump. Sometimes we just have to slow down and feel the desert. It sucks. It's hot. There's no food. There's nothing to do. But you got to go through it. Right? What an encouraging message, Scott. (laughs) But God's not in the business of eternal disappointment and he's not in the business of shaking his fist. He, He shakes his fist at no one. Okay? He is God. He is in control and he is not surprised. He's interested in shaping us. That is what he's interested in. He is interested in making us more like him. Why? He's infinite. Did you think about that? How can you be more like an infinite God? To be exactly the way he wanted you to be. Does that make sense? There's an infinite amount of God and all of us are a little piece and he is calling you to be just like him the way that you're supposed to be, just like him. It'll make sense later. (laughs) But the scariest thing I'm going to say today is this. He's completely okay with offending you. He is completely okay with humbling you, and he is completely okay with leading you right into a desert. (laughs) Through all that, there's only one way to navigate it, and the only way out is through. And so faith... There's kind of different aspects of it for today that I wanted to talk about because there's kind of faith of like, I have faith in you, right? Like if I give a competent person a task and they're unsure, I just go, I have faith in you. 
You know, like, hey, can you decorate this thing? And they're like, well, what do you want me to do? I have faith in you. You'll figure it out. You know, I have faith in you. And, you know, probably how we use this word the most. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I hope I got this right. I think I gave them the wrong scripture, but I think they fixed it because they're so good at their job. Um, that didn't, I hope that didn't sound sarcastic. I mean it. These guys are amazing. Um, John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is straight up saying, like, this is hard. I know you don't, like, you're scared, you're upset, but believe in me, right? Believe in God. Like, you have doubts, but I'm good, right? He's just a simple reminder. Have faith in me. I will get you through. And that's kind of like, this is a, I believe something will behave as I believe it will. That's, you know, this version of faith. That's how God is most, I believe you're the healer, right? He, but he's not a slot machine at the same time. You wish you could just say magic words, abba, baba, baba, and Jesus comes, heals your body, right? But he is the healer. So it's this belief that a thing will act the way you, sh- you think it should. Every chair you're sitting on is your belief that it will act the way you think it should, right? We have faith that things will do what they want. But when they, what happens when it doesn't do what you want? What happens if your chair breaks? You get angry. <laughs> you get disappointed. What happens when God doesn't do what you think he was going to do? You get angry. You get disappointed. Right? Some of us are feeling this way today, I think. And faith works through that as well. There's another faith that's just about pulling you through the desert. And this, this is like a belief that will just get you through. It's like a reason that you will go through something, right? There's like a famous saying in like business these days, like, you know, you need to have a big yes and that'll get you through all the no's or something, you know, it's, I don't know, new agey stuff that probably makes sense. Now, you know, Katie and I, we, we met at a church like when we were, you know, 20s, in our 20s and you know, we eventually started dating and we were in ministry together and it was thriving. Like, man, our church that we met at was just in this place of just like constant, amazing revival. It was like every Sunday, it was like people couldn't wait to lay their life down for you. And just, how are you doing? What do you need? Let me pray for you. Let me go with you. Let's go to lunch. Let me buy you lunch. Let me buy you lunch. You know, it was like, like a standoff for who was going to be the most generous. <clears throat> and then until God called the pastor of that movement away and God did call him. And he did go. And for a while, it, was, it went from great to just good. And then it went from good to sloppy, then sloppy to weird, then weird to painful, then to disillusion, numbness, and indifference. What does it all mean? We, we strive so hard. And, you know, we stayed at that church through all this because we were waiting for God to tell us to move. And when he finally did, we ended up going to another church where we felt like we were just spinning our wheels for, what, three years? And it just didn't, it never clicked. It's like, what are we doing? And then we felt led to leave that church. And then it was like, God didn't give us another church for like a year and a half. And we're, every morning we're like, where are we doing? Where are we going? We don't like church shopping. We don't believe in that, you know. <clears throat> And it was hard. It felt stagnant. And I had faith we would move from, you know, bad to okay. And it just kind of kept going from bad to worse and more and more confusing. And we had our faith violated in that cycle. 
and it was really hard to navigate. We were very disappointed. And when, when your faith is violated, you kind of think the thing you had faith in was not worth much. And I went through a, a long phase of just not knowing where my place was in the kingdom of heaven, on this earth, in life, as a husband. It was hard. You know, because <laughs> what do we do with things that disappoint us? We get mad, we get angry. Like, if you go to, if a company lets you down, like Dyson vacuums, not to put them on blast, but geez, they let us down, <laughs> okay? And we wanted everything, we were like, if this vacuum wasn't so expensive, we would buy another one. But they're too expensive, so we're gonna call customer service, you know? <laughs> like, but what do you do with the company that lets you down? You don't do business with them. What do you do if a restaurant doesn't blow your mind? You don't go there again. What do you do if someone makes you mad? You write bad things about them on Twitter, right? I mean, it makes sense. Totally fine. But what about when life itself is what's dry? Who do you get mad at? Maybe God, maybe yourself. Maybe just the situations. Maybe you're just always mad and you don't know why. Maybe you're just always upset. Maybe your fuse is short and you don't know why. Maybe it's because you're afraid to acknowledge that you're not where you thought you would be. And it's hard every time you think about it, so you just roll over that speed bump, baby. Oh, evil can evil. Oh. Never mind the fact that you broke your suspension. Your car probably won't drive after that. You're just going for it because you don't want to feel that. That's right. wow. So there's two options that I see, okay? And one is you're going through the desert and you just decide, this is it. I'm making my home. I'm gonna live here because this is all life has to offer. And so you give up and you pitch your tent, and you try to dig a water hole, and you try to make the best. And not just if you're in a desert, but if you disconnect from life, this is what happens. And Psalm 107, this was, this was the psalm, by the way, that God gave me during this time of wandering. And it was years before any of it came true, but he made some serious promises. So in, in verse 33, he says, he turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into a thirsty ground, and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. And that's not to condemn you. That's to say that when you disconnect from life, even what life is there just goes away. If you don't follow, if you don't keep going, even what's there will dry up and become a pathless waste, and you'll be sitting there going, I built a great foundation here, though. Right? I did what I was supposed to do. The other option is to go through. No matter how long the desert is, everything looks the same. You can't even see a mountain range. It's hot. There's no food. There's nowhere to go. You got to go through. Or you can make your home. That doesn't sound good to me. This sounds almost worse, but at least there's hope at the end. <laughs> In the next verse, so verse 35 of Psalm 107. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they founded a city where they could settle. Earlier in the same Psalm, verse four, we're going, so we're going back. This is the one that I have underlined in my Bible. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. 
They were wandering. How long? Who knows? But he finally led them by a straight way. Let him give thanks for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. The desert sucks, but living there really, really sucks. You will stop being a human after a while. You will be a leftover husk of dried flesh that is animated. You'll be a zombie. That's not in the Bible. Keep in mind, I read this in the middle of this. I read that. You lead me by a straight way to an inhabited city. You'll lead me by a straight way. And I'm like holding on to that promise. You said it, Lord. You're the one who made me open this psalm. I was like, what should I read? Bam. This hit me like a lightning out of clear blue sky. And when God's like, he's like a billion years old. I mean, he's outside of time. But you know, he's really old. It takes him a long time to act suddenly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because he's not interested in the acting suddenly. He's interested in the walk. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. We sang that this morning. He's interested in the walk. And it sucks sometimes. But you know what? He's not going to waste it. He's not going to waste it. Those roots will grow deep if you keep going. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is like the quintessential verse This is like a very clear definition in scripture of what faith is. Now faith is being sure we will get what we hope for. It is being sure of what we cannot see. If you're in the desert this morning and you cannot see and you are so scared that God has let you down and you come here and you do the right thing over and over and over and you're disappointed over and over and over, you need to be sure of what you cannot see. I am here to encourage you that I was in that place. It was so dark, you would not recognize me as as the man I am today if you met me during that time. I was a different person because I was so stressed out all the time. I always felt like, maybe God will let me back in the kingdom if I prune the hedges. I felt like I had to earn. I I, I felt like I did something wrong. Maybe some of you are feeling that way this morning. I know you are. I know you are. Because this is a human thing. We all feel this, but specifically, there are people in this room that I believe God prepared you for this morning for one such as me to prepare a talk for one such as you. He's interested in putting the pieces in the right spot. This morning, we're slowing down because this is the right moment for some of you. See, that verse assumes you'll have times where you can't see. That verse assumes you'll have times where you don't know. That verse assumes that you won't know the answer, but you will know a God. You will know a God who will get you through. Gotta keep walking. It's such a lame answer. I wish it was like, oh, you just have to read this book. You just have to keep walking. And here's another scary thing. You didn't have to do anything wrong to end up in the desert. Jesus was led there. He lived a sinless life, according to scripture. He did nothing wrong. And the Holy Spirit was like, come with me. You're not gonna eat for 40 days and the devil's gonna be there like picking on you. And why? He's interested in the walk. Because guess what Jesus did? Answered every lie of the devil with the word of God and the truth. Man does not live by bread alone. 
When, Jesus, when the Satan said, why don't you turn these stones to bread? He said, we don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And let me tell you, I don't care what you believe about Jesus and how much God or man he was, I doubt he was comfortable. Okay? I don't think that's a comfortable experience to be tempted by the devil with no food in your belly for 40 days in a hot place. Okay? And this brings me to like a face of believing for the impossible. Okay? This is God specifically when I was praying about what to even talk about today. I never get stressed about talking. I never do. I'm, I like public speaking. I, it's, I'm not afraid of it. If you filled an arena tomorrow and just said, you're going to talk to them about this, I'd be like, I'll figure it out. I'll make it work, you know? I'm, I'm just, it's not in my DNA to be nervous. And I, and I wasn't nervous. I was just like, I don't know what to say, I ne- you know? And when I prayed, I felt like God said, the people of humanity are so hungry for the next step and they don't know what to do but they have everything they need. And I was like, that seems kind of harsh. Like, is it our fault? It's about the walk. God is now ready to take us, I think, as a whole community. We're gonna up our risk. We're gonna see him move, okay? As a community, that's what he's up to today. Jesus returned to his village after he'd done some ministry, and this is what it says. So he'd been, he'd like, was born in a place, grew up, became a man, did miracles, came back as Jesus with his disciples. Um, like leaking. Um, in um, Matthew 13, uh, 55, it says, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? They're not all with us, Right? Where, where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. How dare you, Jesus? We know you. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own house, household. Every, every spouse said amen. <laughs> and he did not do many miracles because of their unbelief. He did not do many miracles because of their unbelief. There's no ambiguity in that phrase. Why did he not do the miracles? Because of their unbelief. That's weird. So what does Jesus want? Does he want you to just believe all the time and it's your fault if you're not seeing a breakthrough? I just said, you could be doing the right thing and going to the desert. He wants your faith to remain despite your circumstances because he will meet you there when you're least expecting it and bash you with a, with a Holy Spirit hand grenade and be like, boom, hey, this season's over. It's the year of Jubilee, baby. Debts are forgiven. Checks in the mail. You walked. Here comes a spring. Here comes stuff just sprouting out of the ground because you believed and I counted it to you as righteousness. That's what the scripture says about faith. When you believe for something that you can't see, God says, that's righteous. You're doing the rightness. That's what I'm interested in, shaping you to be a person who can walk through like a juggernaut, unstoppable. Yes, I am uncomfortable. I am uncomfortable right now. Let's keep walking. Let's keep walking, okay? It's not about your pleasure. This isn't a yacht club. We're not here to get our self-esteem massaged. I'm sorry to disappoint you. We are here to walk. We are here to become more like him because the world needs us. We're plan A. We're plan A. 
Jesus wanted to change you and there's no question about it. He wants to. He wants to make you fully you as you could possibly imagine. And here's what I want you to just fix your mind on. If you knew what God had for you and who he wanted you to be, you'd never think about being anybody else. Because you would lean into it and go, that's who I was called to be. But it will cost you. (laughs) Sorry. I I have a missionary friend who says, whenever I give an altar call, I make it as hard as possible for people to go down there. Because I want them to know that they're giving everything. All the songs we picked, we didn't even communicate today. Insatiable. That's what he's after. He wants to have it all. He invites you to join the risk and reap way more than you sow. But if you just look at the desert, you're just going to be disappointed. You're going to keep, and then you're going to start sowing it. And then you're going to reap more. And then you're going to start sowing more. And eventually you're just a bitter person and you hate God. And I've gone down that road, literally. And I'll tell you what, I tried my best and there were times where I just wanted to camp and stay around the oasis a little longer. I just kept going. And you know what? God eventually led Katie and myself to this body of believers. And that, I remember revisiting my Bible and reading that verse to an inhabited city. And I was like, this is our city. We finally feel at home. God told me I would be speaking to people 10 or 15 years ago from the pulpit. And I gave up on it. And yet here I am. Because I kept walking. This sermon isn't about me and how great I am. It's about how good my God is. Because he should have given up on me like 50 times. But he didn't. Because he's in me for the long haul. So, you get a personality report you don't like. And it's disappointing. And I stewed on it for like a, a week. And we were going through it and I was like, she's like, you want to keep going? And I was like, no, I need, I need time. I'm mad about it. I don't like what I see. Until Jesus came to me. Oh, help me. And he said, you think because you're not like the CEO that I made a mistake? Or that you couldn't run a business? What if I made you to be exactly the way you are so that you could run a business dynamically and differently and with more love and more compassion and more creativity than anybody. What if that's how I made you? Whoa, that'd be cool. That's what I did, son. That's what he's telling me. I didn't make a mistake. You you think you can't perform because you you don't meet the profile? God says, watch what I do with you. You end up buying a chainsaw and sawmilling some wood (laughs) and you're disappointed in the result and you feel like a loser because all your projects end like this and you have so many unfinished things around your backyard and it looks like a bomb went off on a (laughs) putt-putt. Until Jesus comes to me and says, I can't wait to see what you do with that. I can't wait to see what things you make from that wood because I'll be there to say, yes, 
That is awesome. Look, everybody else would have given up by now, but you're creative. You're weird. You don't think the same way as anybody else. Some of you have given up. God has not given up on you. The band's gonna come up. This is the last thing. Luke 8, or sorry, 18, chapter one through eight. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with pleas. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, keeps walking through the desert, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. This is what God's saying. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I used to think that last line was like a random non sequitur. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? What does that have to do with it? This, is, this whole parable is about faith. The Hebrews 11 definition is like the, the bumper sticker version. Jesus is like, what does it look like? Hello, God, I'm still walking here. Isn't that the weirdest picture ever? God could have chosen any way to describe it. And he's like, it's like a person bothering somebody who doesn't want to give them what they want. And then he says, but how much more? Because he's not saying God's like this unjust judge. He's saying, you be like the widow. I'm better than that judge. Even a judge will do this. I'm your heavenly father. I will give you what you ask when you're ready. I will give you what you desire when you're ready. Because when you walk with me, I will make you ready. I will make you ready. I will see that you are prepared to shoulder the burden that I have for you. That is what he's interested in doing this morning. And it takes a lot of faith for me to believe this and say this, but through little old me, this is your day, some of you. Some of you have been in the desert. You've been doing everything right. You've been showing up. You've been going to group. You've been coming on Sundays. You've been serving. You've been nice. You've done all the things and you still feel stuck. But I dare to believe God. He will give you justice and quickly. Today, today, today. We are not in a rush. We are here to dwell on the presence of God. Hey, we still have time. It's only 11:12, just as an update. Don't have to worry. We're not in a rush, but we are gonna risk. Do you understand me? I'm gonna require something of all of you right now. We are going to pray for one another. We are going to stand up. We are going to minister to those who are in the desert right now. If what I just said resonates with you, your heart's on fire, you're not sure what to do, can you just be as brave as you've ever been brave and just raise your hand right now? If you just don't know, look at that, look at that. All over the room. Okay, those of you that raise your hand, 
Stand up. Everybody's going to stand, but you stand first, okay? Now, if you're sitting down and you're having the best time of your life right now, and this is a great day, you're the medic. These are the wounded. Do you understand me? You're the best thing that God could have conceived for them this morning. This is his plan, was for you to help them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So those of you that are sitting, if you feel comfortable, lay a hand, get close to somebody. Everybody move around, it's okay. Christian aerobics, up and down. If you feel led, if you see somebody in the room that just God is highlighting to you, go over to them. Check in with them, ask them what's going on. I'm gonna lead us in prayer a little bit, but I want you guys to be just, you're the, you're the boots on the ground right now. If you're at home right now, I'm gonna be praying for you. I have you in my mind. If you're at home right now, you're not left out. You're not missing out. You're part of our tribe if you can hear my voice. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come, Lord. Come, Heavenly Father, and do what you do. Only you can do this, Lord. We cannot do it by ourselves. We can't read another self-help book. We can't reach into ourselves and find the courage on our own. This is something only you can do, Holy Spirit. We sit back on the mountaintop and we watch you win the battle. You will go into the hearts of those that responded. You will say to them, today is your day. Today is your day. Do not be afraid of the day of small beginnings. Today is a small beginning for you, but it is a turn. You are getting on a straight path. The Lord God Almighty is saying, you will get out of this desert. Go this way, keep walking. Keep walking, you will find the city. You will find the city. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com 